Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. So my Algebra 2 teacher follows me on Instagram pretty heavily. (laughs) What do you mean heavily? Like, likes everything and makes sure to comment on all of it saying I have a cool job. And today, um... Today, she wrote to me saying, I think you have the coolest job ever. And I wish you could say, Mrs. Hopple, I use math every day. And the algebra two you taught me helps me all the time. But sadly, I know that's not the case. Oh, my. <laughs> throwing me under the bus there. Sounds like she cried herself Jokes to on sleep her. I never night. got an A in that class. So <laughs> good thing I don't use algebra every day. I love when teachers are like, oh, yeah, it's such, such a blessing you were in my class. I'm like, you hated me. And also, I failed. But- uh, it's like you hated me and I hated you. I didn't hate Miss Hopple. She was actually pretty cool. But there were other teachers where they absolutely hated me and didn't try to hide it. And I hated them back. And now they're like, oh, well, you know, I see that you have a really cool job. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, do you? Really? You see it now? Okay. Bye. That happens to me now, too. My high school sent sent me an email being like, we'd love to feature you in the winter magazine. They did that to me. Get away from me. They they wrote to me and said... uh, that they had been seeing my success and wanted to feature me in the alum. Doesn't that piss you something. off? Something. Well, especially because my high school outed me to everyone. <gasps> so fuck you guys. No fuck thanks. Fuck you. Anyone listening from my high school, big old middle finger to you. My high school's like suing my mom right now. So I'm like, <laughs> can we separate? Are we separating those two things? Like- I, they didn't even out me. They threw me out of the fucking closet. That's not okay. So, and our headmaster is a lesbian. So like. Whose side do you think she'd be on? Oh, you just outed her on a podcast. <laughs> She's a lesbian. Look at that. And the funny part is then after she came out, people were like, um, we stand behind her. We support LGBT shit. And I'm like, oh, cry me a fucking river. You didn't stand behind me when she helped out me. That's such bullshit. Anyway. And that's why I drink. <laughs> Welcome to And That's Why We Drink. (laughs) (laughs) You just got a nice segment of why I drink. It's a podcast, and I'm Christine. Oh, all right. And I am M. Okay, you said that like... Well, I mean, 40 episodes in, we're now introducing ourselves. (laughs) I mean, we were on a BuzzFeed article recently. We've got a lot of new listeners, and I feel like maybe I have to pretend like we're a normal podcast for a minute. Well, this weekend, yeah, this weekend was pretty big for us. We hit a million downloads. Hey. We're supposed to be eating ice cream cake while we record this. We're also under a plunger again. Yeah, we're still in our pillow fort because we haven't done anything. Actually, that's a lie. We would have done a lot to create a space, but we don't because Christine was in the hospital all week. (laughs) 
Hey, I'm back. <laughs> she uh, she didn't have a good week, guys. I was emailing most of you from the hospital. I was like, for I was up till four a.m. most nights, just like responding to emails. It was really fun. Although, shout out to the people who uh, sent us pictures of them also in hospitals. Oh yeah, they felt very unifying. It was kind of nice to be not the only one, but here I am. I'm alive. I'm back. I can drink again. Well, you didn't stop. I mean, I did because I was. You know, nobody snuck me any booze into the hospital, but I told Christine I would sneak her booze because she said she was on a clear liquid diet. And I was like, vodka's clear. So and threatened to put it in my IV bag. I was like, mm. I didn't threaten. I, I offered kindly. I offered kindly. That was, <laughs> it was out of love. The only issue is that I was also on a lot of Dilaudid, which is a very strong opiate. And I was like, things aren't going to go well. <laughs> I, I watched Christine get her pain medication and there was a good five Mississippi seconds where she was like. Give me a second. I I'm about to breathe. To, I'm about to go for a wild ride. And then later I left the hospital and she texted me and she's like, I'm tripping balls right now. <laughs> they gave, they switched from morphine to like the strong stuff. And I was like, wow, this is much worse. I'm glad Emma's not here to witness this. I wish I was. Anyway, so, but I'm alive and you're alive and here we are. And here we are. And our high schools are jealous of us. Well, they just, they just want me for my obvious thriving fame obviously doesn't it show speaking of thriving fame do you want to know why i drink this week yeah because our house almost got broken into yesterday oh is it because we're famous well a couple of people joked <laughs> like oh guys for the record we're not fucking famous before <laughs> like before itunes reviews start saying that we think too much of ourselves we we we're kidding we're we're kidding we have a show called and that's why we drink we don't think much of ourselves i mean i'm just gonna speak for themselves but i <laughs> I'm pretty famous. Okay, Christine's I'm totally kidding. Definitely famous, and that's why she, her house got broken into yeah. this week. Well, so a couple of my friends were like, "Oh, is it because of your podcast?" I was like, "Yeah, it's because of my fucking podcast." <laughs> no, it's because I just moved into a new house, and these people. I got home, and there was um, there was this lady, and she comes running, and apparently she's my new neighbor, and she's like, "I called the police. They're on their way. Uh, I saw a guy leaving your backyard, and when he saw me, he screamed, "We got to get the fuck out of here!" And two other men jumped over the like seven foot wall. Oh, they just are just half like jaguars. Apparently, leaped over it, and I was like, "Uh oh!" And so she said, all three of them like leaped over the wall, and then got into a moving suv and oh, drove off shit. and i was like oh shit and she goes check out the backyard and everything and i went back there they had unlocked the gate and they had like kicked in like a basement window oh no but they hadn't gotten in wait is there like a hole in your basement window now it's like a mesh like screen type of thing that they had kicked in but you can't like fit into it oh so why'd they do it then that's stupid to see if they could like access it but once you open it it's like really narrow um but yeah so they didn't make it in but i was like kind of terrified and geo is all worked up but he's okay Aww, baby g and also that was right after you got back from the hospital so oh, you're like day oh, after you're like today could not get any worse and then all of a sudden you know what? that's a nice way to meet your neighbor at least yeah i was <laughs> like thanks here's my uh here's my personality and my 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 pro traits. I'm mm. here to look out for you. Yep, exactly. I was like, sorry, I'm still bandaged from the fucking IV. She's uh, still, Christine still has like bruises and everything. She looks like an addict. It's pretty gross. She, like all of her, where all of her IVs were. Blech. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I almost got broken into, but honestly, it like didn't phase me. Everyone's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I mean, well, didn't you grow up with that? Yeah. Well, I counted and this is number 11 of like break-ins I've experienced. And I'm like, honestly, 
It doesn't phase me, which is not good. That's not good. No. But I feel like I, I would be the opposite. I would be like, holy shit. <laughs> I feel like I draw this stuff to me and I don't know why, but it happens all the time. And my car's been broken into and like my oh my god dorm room, like everything. I've, thank God, never had any, I've never experienced any version of a break-in or a violation like that. Yeah. So it is terrifying. The, the second it happens to me for the first time will be the day I lose my mind. Cause I, I'm going to. I'm not going to know how to react because I'm not used well, to it. Well, it's interesting because I feel like you have paranormal experiences and I don't. And I have all these like true literal true experiences. <laughs> yeah. Every don't. time a ghost is in my house, I'm like, oh, what else is new? But then you would probably freak out. If there's a fucking ghost in my house. Oh, there I, is. I would set it on fire. No, wait. Mm, well, you could try. I would. Also, <laughs> speaking of ghosts in my house, I did the diedinhouse.com. <gasps> Nobody died in this house. I know. Well, that's good. Sorry to disappoint. I mean, that's also impressive for a house that's almost 100 years old. Yeah. That's not so. But that doesn't mean there's no ghosts. No, no, it doesn't. But I just wanted to, to clear the air on that because people were wondering. But Okay. That's fine. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Makes me feel a little better. It doesn't explain why this house is haunted. I don't think it's haunted. It is. I don't believe you. Okay. I mean. Well, only time will tell. This is me trying to get him to play Ouija board with me. No, no. No, no. You own a Ouija board. You can just do that without me here. But I'd rather have you here. So you can have a screaming human in the corner? No. Also, I don't understand why... That door freaks me out. I was just looking at the door and then I told myself it moved, but it didn't. But your house is also haunted. But anyway, (laughs) I just freaked myself out. Um, I feel like if you did play with a Ouija board, though... I would like come into your house and I would just smell that it had been used. I'd be like, I know there has been voodoo experience here. I feel like I'm one of those people who needs approval. Like, even though I know you won't give it to me, I'm going to beg for it until you give it to me so that I can feel okay about it. On my deathbed, you'll be like, please, let's start the Ouija board game now. So by the end, you're on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) I'll transition. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, before I forget, I also want to say that this episode is donated to one of our $25 Patreon sponsors. Yay! Our faves. Uh, And this episode in particular is dedicated to Orion. I like Orion. Orion's great, and he has a fucking awesome name. I'm assuming there aren't many Orions that listen to us, so I'm gonna assume this is the Orion that likes all my stuff on Twitter. Yeah, he's very active on Twitter. You can find me at the M. Schultz. Alright, aren't we supposed to be plugging Orion, not you? Alright, you can find Orion at um, on my friends list at the insults. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> uh, Orion is really great and really funny and nice. And I wonder if he has a belt. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I hope you were the first person to use that on him, but I don't think you are. Uh, it's worth a shot. Orion. That's a very regal name. It's pretty badass. Yeah. Like no one messes with you when you're a kid and your name's Orion. Hell no. It's like your name being Thor. Oh yeah. It's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that. Uh, and what are you drinking today? Sweet tea. Yeah. Because we, we went into this podcast thinking I would always have access to milkshakes, but now that you're an hour commute, Whoopsies. I I can't do it anymore. Although to be fair, you did have ice cream ready for me in the freezer, which was very nice of you. I did. However, also you ate a lot of it. So I don't know if I could get a milkshake Listen, out of the amount that's left. I offered it to you and then you didn't take it. So I ate it. But we should definitely, uh, regularly keep like a carton here for me and a blender so we can just make milkshakes on the spot you're right it would be actually kind of fun to have like our own recipes we can make like oh yeah and we could also do like like halftime milkshakes 
Or like I could be like mm. intermission and I'll go make another milkshake. Elevator music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. I'm down. Um, we'll discuss it. People send in your ideas. I'm drinking uh, a box of wine. Surprise to everybody. Wow. <laughs> Is it? It's red. Like always. Is it cab? It's a Shiraz. Okay. It was one of the two. You got to mix it up, man. No. Why are you looking at me like that? I don't know. I'm really tired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, it's a Shiraz. I'm boring. That's okay. You're not boring after you drink a lot of Shiraz. That's true. So, balance This is just out. like a vehicle. Right. To entertainment. <laughs> uh, yeah, one last thing before we get started. We are going to do our next uh what is it a facebook live event yeah facebook live event for all patreon donators whether you donate like a cent or like a hundred dollars thank you if you if you were to send us a hundred dollars we no one does no but 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 thank you but we can hope (laughs) uh (laughs) but we're gonna do that and we want to announce the date it's gonna be on october 8th which is a sunday at 3 p.m pacific standard time yes so we're gonna post in if if you're a patreon donator go to the patreon facebook group and join it because we're going to post like the time zones and all that there and you'll be in like a countdown so that you know when when that's going to happen and if you if you're not available and you you have to miss it it is going to save on the page and you can watch it later yep uh october 8th it's a sunday at 3 p.m pacific standard time we will be there that's in like uh exactly a week from today actually when this comes out do we have a tripod or are we using bread again i mean because <laughs> last time we used bread I have a selfie stick if we just have to do it on our phones again, like trash. Let's do a selfie stick. That'll be frustrating for only us. For In their eyes, everyone's no, eyes. It'll be frustrating for the entire world. We'll all hate each other. All right, perfect. I'm ready for a uh, to be entertained. Okay. Well, I can give that to you. Really? Well, I mean, it's going to be entertaining no matter what. I can't promise how. Oh, boy. Either this will be successful and entertaining in its own right, or I'm going to fail... And it's going to be a really bad story, and you'll just watch me flounder, and that will be the entertainment. That might be more entertaining. Well, that's also what's most likely. Let's so. try that one. Okay. So this is the... Do, by the way, do you like my notes? Like, things are just scratched out and wow. covered in red ink. They look really fancy. You have, like, numbers and bullets and arrows. Actually, this is the worst version of notes I've ever done. So, again, entertainment for everyone. Oh, man, I'm so ready. Just not of their own choosing. So, um, Christine knows this, but I have like the world's worst headache right now. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on six Excedrin right now. I don't think that's safe, but I mean, if we mix it with how much wine you drank, it would not be safe. No. And then I'm goes, Oh, do you have any like real painkillers? I'm like, you took six Excedrin. I'm not giving you (laughs) codeine, but okay. But it would have, it would have helped. But anyway, so I'm just like running on steam right now. So what basically I was going to work on these notes while I was at work and then come here, but my head hurts so bad that I didn't have time to actually like format anything. So that's why it looks like this. So I'm setting us up for a mis- for, a miserable time. I'm setting you up for exactly what you get every week. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Forty episodes in, and I still can't fucking figure out a page of bullets. <laughs> okay, so this is called the Summer Wind Mansion. That sounds fancy as fuck. In Wisconsin. Oh, not so much anymore. But <sighs> well, was that rude? I don't know. I've never been to Wisconsin. I, I'm pretty sure like two people from Wisconsin listen to us, so they can tell us if it's rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do like cheese, though. So it all starts in 1916, bum, 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 which is just over 100 years ago. It's kind of like this house. 
1916, the house was built by Robert P. Lamont as a summer home. Mm. Uh, Lamont, fun fact, would later be the future Secretary of Commerce under President Hoover. Oh, wow. So as Lamont was going to build, I guess he was building around the already, like there was already a foundation there and he was building on top of it. Um, and so while he was doing his renovations to move in, the maids said that like, hey, this place is supposedly haunted. Um, they're just, you know, when they, anytime we've been here, anytime people who have been around this area, they've heard a lot of sounds, a lot mm. of um, people saying their names. Um, just like heads up, like this place might be haunted. So if you're just, about to just a little heads like, up, just so you know, if something happens, I don't feel bad that I didn't say something. <laughs> don't say we didn't warn you. Yeah. And, uh, per usual, per straight white man, sure. He laughed at the maids and said, there's no such thing as ghosts. So oh, enter my paranormal story. Enter the demise of this man. So, um, while they were there, there isn't a lot of references that they experienced a lot of haunts, but they did say that they felt being watched a lot. Um, they also like would hear sounds upstairs, but they assumed they were just like cracks and creaks from the wind. Mm -hmm. And the one and only ghost experience they had was the one that had them flee the house and never come back. Oh no. So Mr. Lamont and his wife were sitting at the table eating ice cream. Oh, sounds about right. Which in 1934, I can't imagine is good ice cream. Well, maybe it is because they use all that like heavy cream and stuff. Maybe it's really maybe good it's like ice cream. Really good. Did so they? I didn't get a recipe. I have really dumb questions that I feel like people on Twitter are always like bashing me for. But like, no, I appreciate the dumb questions because I'm also probably <laughs> thinking them. I'm taking away from you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were there freezers? I guess they were invented around then. But you had to be really rich, I think, to have a freezer. Well, this house also was super. Um, like it was like made for the wealthy. So like even President Hoover stayed with them a couple uh, times. So it was like a high, a high end, high end home. place. It was a mansion. Okay. Um, and then two of Chicago's most famous architects actually helped build it. Oh, so there's okay. that. A lot of luminaries so, were uh, hanging out here. Luminaries. <laughs> a lot of, you know, main big dogs. So there was ice cream. Okay. I get it. Yeah. We don't know about the free. I assume a freezer was there for it to be that cold. I would imagine. Unless, I mean, it is Chicago, right? Oh, no, it's Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So it must have been cold anyway. So. I'm going to stop asking questions. Please go on. <laughs> okay. Um, so while they were having ice cream, uh, all of a sudden the door to their dining room started to shake and shudder. Nope. And like rattle. And then it flew open and an apparition of a man manifested. Mm -mm. Just like showed up out of thin air. It was a black shadow. And he thought that there was an intruder, and so he pulls out his gun that he just had on his hip, because it's 1934 in Wisconsin, <laughs> and he fired two shots at what he saw was, what he thought was a man, and the door between their, the room they were in and uh, where the door led was to the cellar. So basically, he shot at the cellar twice, and as just as fast as the guy showed up, he vanished, mm -mm. but there were two bullet holes there <gasps> to like show what happened. And those bullet holes were there for a long time afterwards. And the but, man was like, I just wanted some butter pecan. <laughs> like, I just wanted some ice cream, guys. <laughs> um, so they ended up fleeing that night and never going back, supposedly. But can you imagine? I'm sorry, we're sitting next to the cellar door and just the thought. Oh, my, I forgot. You're right. Maybe I should get a gun. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> That's the only logical conclusion. <laughs> right. I heard, I heard, uh, 
I don't even know what I heard. Just now you freaked me out. You I heard something. I, I don't know what's going on. I just had a total mental breakdown in, in my own head. Just a total. In the span of two seconds? Yeah, it was a quick one. But it happened. I just, I'm now, I can't even talk. What's I'm, happening? Stop looking at the door. You're freaking me out. You freaked me out. I forgot we were next to a cellar door. We're not eating ice cream. It's fine. I usually have ice cream. So that thing would be coming for me. I did just eat a lot of ice cream. Okay, hopefully it's coming for you. Because you have <laughs> wine in your glass and ice cream in your stomach. I just wanted some boxed wine. <laughs> Where's the Shiraz? <laughs> Hold on, my helicopter's arriving. <laughs> it's dropping off. It's I so have weird. arrived. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, where were we? Uh, who oh, the yeah. Hell no. Two bullets in. I forgot. <laughs> Get it? i'm sweating so much remember how we got new listeners and now they're all gone (laughs) oh man So I, we're, I'm just going to try and recap real quick. There was someone who, the, basically, I died, came back as a ghost, wanted some ice cream, and someone <laughs> shot at me twice. So fucking rude. <laughs> so fucking rude. Um, by the way, if I haunt you, don't do that. Don't shoot you? Try not to. Oh. I mean, it's not like you'll kill me. Well, then don't try to steal my ice cream. It's like I offered you some in real life. Actually, you know, it would be really sweet if you left ice cream out for me on Halloween or on my birthday or something. Oh. Because on my... Um, some of my family is Wiccan mm-hmm. and the big thing for Halloween, which they don't call it Halloween, <clears throat> but, uh, they'll leave food out that night for the spirits of their loved ones. Because Aww. since our world and their world is the closest on Halloween night, then it's essentially having dinner with them. That's really one sweet. One night a year. So if I do die, you better leave some ice cream out. That's a Jewish tradition too, or they leave, um, I guess it's not for your loved ones, but it's for, uh, it's for Elijah. They leave a plate out for Elijah. All right. Well. So And then they leave, like, a place setting for him. Well, then leave ice cream for me. All right. You're Elijah. Today. 2.0. So, um, basically, they fled because I couldn't handle it. Sure. And then it sold, it like, cha- the house changed a bunch of hands in that time, but it basically kept going back to this family called the Kiefers who owned it, and they were just renting it out to people. And that was during the 1940s. Mm-hmm. But they actually... I guess they knew about the stories of it being haunted and didn't actually ever step foot in the house. They just would like give like their renters the keys and be like, good luck. <laughs> like just leave. Uh, oh, they actually lived in an RV parked outside the house. Wait, what? they like would not go in the house. They just happened to be the landlords of the haunted house. And they lived outside of it. And they lived outside. of All it. All right. So, um, that was more of a fun fact. Nothing really came out of it. So in the 1970s, uh, a family finally bought the house, and they were the Hinshaws. Mm-hmm. Arnold and Ginger Hinshaw. <laughs> Ginger I'm, Hinshaw. Ginger Hinshaw. And uh, <clears throat> it was the two of them and their six kids, and they moved into Summerwind, but only for six months. So they knew that the place was weird as soon as they moved in. Um, they felt shadows and saw shadows in the hallways. They heard mumbled voices in empty rooms, and then if they went into the room, that was when the sound would stop, as if, like you had found the sound or once you were looking for the sound, it would like, it didn't want you to find it. So they just basically, it was like typical things like furniture would move around the house. And so they knew that 
there was something going on. And uh, they also started seeing an apparition of a woman who would just regularly float past them down the hallway. And friends of theirs also saw this woman walking around the halls uh, when they were alone. Mm -hmm. And appliances like their hot water heater would break down and then repair itself before it could get fixed. Or it would break and then until they said, oh, we need to get a fix, then all of a sudden it would fix itself. What? Um, Windows and doors would close and then reopen themselves. And then if there was a window that was like particularly hard to open, it would only open and close itself and like all day long. Um, The only way they could keep certain windows shut is if they nailed them shut. Otherwise, they just kept opening and closing by themselves all day. So uh, another time, Arnold Henshaw, he walked out to his car for work and the car literally caught on fire by itself. And there's still no reason for it. What? It just like went boof. That was boof if you didn't hear it. So. Oh, yeah, that was the I, sound of fire. I thought for a second that my house was on fire. When <laughs> I know. It, I wanted to reassure you that you are in no harm. Today. It was so realistic. So despite all of this, like weird, uh, all these weird events, it didn't really stop them. They just tried to explain it away with, oh, well, you know, the it's just really old. And so the floorboards creak. And that's why my cars car catches, catches on, on fire. Cars catch on fire. It's like no big deal. So they thought their way to fix it was to do renovations. So they started hiring a bunch <laughs> of work to or a bunch of workers to come into the house and fix it. But a lot of the workers in town would refuse to go into the house. And most of them would like fake sick and say they couldn't come in. And some of them flat out just said, I'm not going in that house. Is it because they knew beforehand or they were just like, I don't get a good feeling? I think a combo. Okay. But I mean, people did know about the Lamont ghost where he Mm. shot at nothing and stuff like that. Um, So, so many workers were calling out sick that eventually the Henshaws were like, well, let's just do the renovations by ourselves. So one day they decided that they were going to paint a closet upstairs. And it was Arnold and Ginger, um, husband and wife. And they were going to clean, they were going to paint the closet upstairs. So they had this like, uh, I guess a shelving unit that was essentially nailed to the wall mm-hmm. or at least leaning against the wall. And they tried to take it away so that they could paint the whole wall and not get any paint on the furniture. So they pulled it out and there was this hole in the wall and it was like a dark space. And so no. he, he tried, he grabbed a flashlight and he started looking in there and he, Thought he could see in there, but he couldn't get a really good look. And right when he thought that he was, uh, you know, done trying, his flashlight caught a glimpse of a corpse. I'm sorry. (laughs) What? And he couldn't see. He assumed that maybe it was like an animal that was dead or something in there. He was like, oh, maybe like a raccoon got in there and died. Oh, maybe this is where they store their Halloween decorations. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so, so he couldn't get in. And the hole was too small for them, for him to be able to like climb in. And so he waited till his kids got home and recruited his daughter, no, Mary. No. And he was like, Mary, girl, you're going to take one for the team and get in that hole. And so he pushed her into no. the wall up from upstairs, gave her a flashlight and heard her screaming and pulled her out. And it was a human corpse. I'm sorry. And he made her go back in and then pull out the corpse. Father of the year. I'm sorry. Are you fucking kidding with me? No. So uh, basically, uh, it was a human corpse. It was supposedly a woman with... uh, There was still some brown hair (gasps) left on the skull. No. Mary, are you seeing a psychiatrist? (laughs) Mary needs a drink. Mary needs it to go to a bar. Mary, can I buy you... Mary was 11, by the way. Can I buy you a beer, Mary? Mary... 
Or he needs a, a whole fifth of whiskey. Oy. Um. So she pulled out a skull that still had uh, old black hair on it. No. Uh, also pulled out an arm and a portion of a leg. What the fuck? So then, I mean, he's already making good decisions, right? Oh, yeah. He's father of the year, like you said. So then he decides not to report it to the police. They put it back in the wall. What? And they left it there. What? <laughs> They just put it back where they found it. He's like, he, he was very much me. He was like, let go, let God. I don't want to know. No. Not my business. Don't approve. He's very, like, like prison mentality. Keep your eyes and ears open. Keep your mouth shut. He's like, Mary, take this skull covered in hair. Yep. Place it where you found it. <laughs> Place it exactly as you saw it. It's don't not, let anyone know that it has been touched. Uh-uh, it's not finders keepers in this house. Mary, your fingerprints are the one all over that corpse. Not me. Oh my God, Mary! <laughs> Mary made a mistake. Mary, other after Mary. Oh my God, Mary, run, girl! Mary, run, Mary. bitch, run! Okay, so uh, Mary, I want to help you. <laughs> I think Mary's long gone. Can you? Oh, is she dead? Well, this was in like nineteen four seventies. Yeah, no, 70s. She, she's, she's kicking. She's kicking. She's probably like our parents' age. Oh, man. And another reason why that generation had kids like us. But that's the thing. Because they all had some weird fucked up experiences. They're psychologically damaged. Social services was not as good as it is now. Hello, everyone. Are you over the age of 40? You're psychologically damaged. <laughs> that's the statement this millennial podcast is making. You're the reason all of your millennial children still live with you. <laughs> I'm joking. Please don't hate me. You can find our Patreon. (laughs) Help. Um, Okay, so they just put the corpse right back where they found it. And they just decided that that was the best place for it to be. Oh, it was for sure. Um, So soon after this, can you imagine things got worse? Oh, also fun fact, the skeleton bore a strong resemblance to the spirit of the woman that everyone had been seeing walking around the house. Can you imagine how traumatized those children must have been? They must have just thought, like, I don't even know what they thought. I don't, I have no idea. Imagine thinking, in my mind, if you're a small child and you just see someone walking up and down the hall, I would think it was, like, a maid or, right, you know, some, maybe your friend's parent that's always around. And then all of a sudden you find them again on the other side of a wall and it's only their bones. And they're dead and decomposing. Yeah. And you have to touch their skull. And then my sister Mary's throwing her back into the wall saying, <laughs> I saw nothing. I saw nothing. <laughs> my sister Mary. <laughs> that uh, sounds like a great horror movie. My sister Mary. That's a lifetime movie waiting to happen. So the Hinshaws did not report it, put it back, left it alone. Things got worse. I'm sorry. This is making me drink. How I'm did not... you get through that other one so fast? Like, listen to your story and then get back to me. <laughs> so, uh... Arnold began staying up very late and having pretty wild insomnia. Which one's Arnold? The dad? The dad. Arnold uh, got some pretty gnarly insomnia, started staying up super late, and eventually just never slept. Oh, no. And he began playing the organ at all hours of the night. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They had a Hammond organ. Did they, like... They, like, bought it. It was, was like, a wedding present or something, and then they always had it, and he never really played it until, like, all these events started happening, and then he would only play it loudly and poorly all night long that's so funny that like i put that on our wedding registry also did you on our pottery barn I well put when a... blaze starts playing at a 3 a.m run <laughs> the organ so Can you imagine if i was like i'd like a $2,500 organ from pottery barn thank you please uh so that's the beyond part of bed bath and beyond by the way <laughs> so but he um, began sh- he began playing it all night long and it became like a f- 
basically a frenzied mixture of sounds. Oh, like no. it had it made no sense. He was just playing random distorted chords. Yeah, my favorite thing is that you said he started playing it badly, like poorly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All night. Yeah. And so he also claimed because his wife was like, I'm trying to sleep. Like, can you turn <laughs> stop please <laughs> and he said no i have to do it to keep the demons at no bay. no no yeah so his playing became so chaotic that his wife and children started sleeping in one bed together crying and cowering in fear by the way that's kind of dramatic like if i mean it's one thing to play the organ badly but don't act like it's the world you know <laughs> like dad just can't get the minor scale wrong we're all sobbing <laughs> it's like what parents probably do like hold each other at night when they buy their kid a set of drums it's like ah, yes. <laughs> yes what did we do where did we go wrong so <laughs> during this time uh while he was like losing his mind at night ginger also attempted suicide oh no didn't succeed but attempted oh no um while arnold was sent away for treatment to like maybe just get a fucking nap in Ginger and the kids moved to live with her parents. Do you know what she did as, like, committing? Trying no. To, oh, okay. I don't know. Um, probably could have looked it up. I just chose to carry on. So Arnold and Ginger uh, ultimately got divorced, but she ended up marrying another guy named George. And she lived with him, and things seemed to be going fine because now they were all out of the house. Right. So they're Was, not living there anymore. Were the kids with her? The kids were with her. Yeah, probably. Her and George? Yeah. And, um... A few years later, her father announced that he was going to buy the Summerwind Mansion, and he wanted to turn it into a restaurant and inn with his wife. That seems like a great idea. Well, also this guy, I found out he was a popcorn vendor as his career. So <laughs> I don't sorry. think he... First of all, what a time where you could be a popcorn vendor and just like live off of that. Oh. And then also buy a mansion. What a time. What a life. What a What a life. What a life buying a... A mansion off your popcorn fortune. I don't know what kind of popcorn he's vending, but I think it's laced. And it's the 70s, so you know he was making it Oh, good. it was the 70s, huh? Mm-hmm. Some, some, uh... Sprinkled some quaaludes on it or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> quaalude popcorn. <laughs> some acid popcorn. <laughs> um, so he wanted to turn it into an inn, and he has no idea what happened to his daughter there. Like, where, like, he doesn't... They didn't tell anyone about how haunted it was. Did so he the, did the husband, the previous husband still own it or like, how's he getting he, a hold of it? He sold it cause he had to leave to go get treatment. Apparently mm -hmm. it was very vague, but basically the family moved out and split up. So he sold it to the, he sold it back to that poor family, the Kiefer's who just can't get oh, their hands off. So of then it. her dad was like, I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. Um, apparently he figured out through the Kiefer's that it was haunted. Mm-hmm. And it didn't stop him, but he was very fascinated with paranormal activity. So he got way too curious. Oh no. He started using a Ouija board. Nope. And he, I guess, fell into a trance where he saw himself in the basement of the house and he was looking through the cellar and he found a deed. Deed. I don't mm -hmm. know if that came out right. He found a deed to the house and it, um, apparently he spoke to the spirit in the house named John Carver. Who's not a woman, by the way, so apparently there's more than one spirit. But John Carver um, also has the description of the spirit that um, Robert Lamont saw, the one that he shot at. Yeah. <gasps> oh, shit. So Robert Lamont, like, I, like, described what he saw, and it's eerily like the 
figure that was seen in this trance with Ginger's dad. Yowza. And apparently the guy said his name was John Carver. He was, I guess, some frontiersman who, um, oh, he, something about how he owned the property, but he was looking for the deed because he made a trade with an Indian tribe Mm -hmm. on the land and they gave him a third of Wisconsin. Like he couldn't find the deed. Oh, okay. <laughs> like just like, you know, a third. <laughs> and uh apparently while so this whole vision while it was happening, I guess John Carver the ghost was saying, I need your help to find the deed. It's somewhere in the foundation of the house. <gasps> and he won't rest until he finds the deed <gasps> to own the land. Um also for skeptics out there, there was a reporter who actually dug into this and tried to find a deed and it supposedly does not exist. They've also talked to the people who back in 1916 helped lay down foundation and they said that they never hid anything in the house. And even if they did, it wouldn't make sense because like, I guess 130 years after John Carver died is when they laid the foundation. So how would John Carver have even known? And something about like the government, um, ended up saying that agreement land agreements with Indian tribes weren't valid. So even if they did find a deed, it would be worthless. And also it didn't belong to Ginger's dad. So it's not like he could like, like have a valid land agreement where he owned a third of Wisconsin. I don't really know what was going on. What on earth? But there was for skeptics out there wondering if any of that was proven correct or not. It was looked into and it's just kind of like understood that there's no real answer. Okay. While he was in this trance, he began regularly having experiences with John Carver, either in dreams and other trances or while talking through the Ouija board. This just became a regular thing. Oh, no. Um, He also ended up writing a book uh, that was published in 79 under the name Wolfgang von Bober, uh, which is a (laughs) a ghostwriter name, obviously. A ghost, right? <laughs> yes, Christine, good I'm job. I'm sorry, I'm trying. And it was a book called The Carver Effect. Um, mm. And it was basically a tell all of his experiences of his communication with John Carver. Um, it's also apparently very out of print and very hard to find, in case anyone's trying to Google it right now as you listen to me talk. To the sultry sounds of M. Schultz. <laughs> I'm not gonna you didn't you didn't give me the chance I'm just gonna blankly stare at you and let you finish that off so um anyway as even though he knew it was haunted he was like well I already bought this house so I might as well like just try to like work on it and make do with what I have so Ginger ended up moving back in with her husband George to help her dad and her brother so um the dad's son also came mm-hmm. and his name was Carl the ginger's brother classic carl classic carl with a k by the way oh for god's sakes and so carl and then who was ginger's brother and then ginger and then ginger's husband george all moved in with the dad to help um with renovations and poor ginger was probably like look i've been doing renovations on this house a a while back and i seriously don't want to come back to this so as they were wandering around and they got to the second floor her husband spotted that the closet had a secret compartment in the wall. Oh, come on. Because Ginger still, like, has this, like... Like, she's the one you want on your side in prison. She doesn't fucking say a word, does she? Mm-mm. For her husband to not know about this yet? If I thought I was never going back to this house, because there were several years in between her leaving and her father buying this house. Right. If she thought she was never going back... The next guy I married, I would have for sure been like, you want to hear some bullshit that uh, I saw? Right, like... 
Apparently Maybe not. we could get some money off a radio deal. Yeah. I have some stories. I like, want to hear a wild story about my last husband. <laughs> Listen, one glass he of wine. He literally left a corpse in the building after our child had a fish it off water. After she made my daughter touch its skull. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he ne- she never said anything to him because he found the secret compartment and he was going to start looking through it. And she was like, no, don't go there. Don't go. Don't go. And he was like, why? You're being really fucking weird about this. And she was like, okay, listen, there's a corpse. I mean, in listen. The wall. Like, I'm not trying to freak you out, but I'm just saying, like, you're going to find yourself a corpse if like, you keep looking. Don't overreact. <laughs> Honestly, if you overreact, I'm going to overreact, and it's just not a good time for you. It's either, not, and it's not good for the children. Let's just all breathe. <laughs> and uh... it, would be, it would be foolish to think too hard on this. Yes. So anyway, he heard... There's a corpse in the wall. And he was like, <laughs> fuck you, Ginger. I'm going to go look in the wall and see it. And so he rushed back and tried to, like, pull it out of the wall. But there was nothing there. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So, and also, by the way, that never gets resolved and there's no answer to it. What? So The corpse just disappears? It just went away. <gasps> so, a couple theories. One thinks, like, either someone went back and took it at some point or... The corpse itself was its own haunting where it was replaying something that happened at one point. <gasps> so it's like a residual. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, they think it was like an like an emotional or like energy imprint that happened on the house. And they just kind of saw it and experienced it and interacted with it. And then it went away. <gasps> so <clears throat> it's one theory. Um, okay, so eventually everyone was like look i'm gonna get out of this house this is just too weird smart so the only one that was hanging around still was carl classic carl classic carl oh. <laughs> uh so basically he went there for last minute repairs one night and it started to rain so he was going around closing all the windows while he was upstairs in the hallway he heard someone call his name which is when i would run the other direction hell yes but of course he walks right into the room where the sound was no and he kept hearing his name, and he kept hearing it in whispers and then laughter. Carl. No, like, Carl. <laughs> oh, oh. Like, fucking creepy. You're gonna give me nightmares. Like some Annabelle shit. Carl. <laughs> like that game, the, the clapping movie, the... Have you ever seen that one? As if you Of course think, you haven't. Of, as if there's, you think I've seen that. It's called, that. uh, it's not hide and seek. It's some scary movie where, like, there's, like, it's a haunted house, and the way you try to find it is you have to play hide-and-seek with it where you, you follow the claps. Absolutely not. So you keep, like, from upstairs, you'll hear, like, and then as you get closer, you'll hear, like, no, thank you. Why the fuck is that a And movie? then it kills you. <laughs> and then it kills you. Um, so, <clears throat> anyway, so he follows it, and when he gets to the room that happened to be the room where Robert Lamont and his wife were once eating ice cream... <laughs> All of a sudden, he hears two pistol shots, and he can smell gunpowder, and then he turns around, and the wall that's leading to the cellar now has two bullet holes in it that at one point had been covered up during earlier repairs, but now they're right there again. Oh, no. And he went over to see if they were fresh, even though he couldn't find anyone in the house. Nobody could have possibly shot it and then, and then ran away in time. But he went over to see if they were brand new and they were the same old ones that had been like, like the edges had been worn down and everything. But for some reason, like the, whatever they used to cover it up was just now gone. Oh no. So the structure of the house is just like disappearing and showing up at its own will. 
that was that was basically the end of that where like it was just like they had smoothed over and they were definitely the old bullet holes that were covered up but for some reason are showing up again yikes so uh more workmen were refusing to stay on the job. They kept saying that tools were disappearing and they kept getting stared at and they were hearing people laugh at them and talk to them and like whisper to them. And even the wife was like, like, I agree. I feel like someone's staring at me whenever I come to visit this house. And the last super weird thing about this house, which is also very original for a ghost story, is that the size of the rooms kept changing. What? So, um, uh, like the rooms would expand and shrink on their own. It's <gasps> so, like you would measure a room and it would be a totally different size the next day. <gasps> what? So the measurements were usually larger than what the blueprints had originally said. And then they'd go from either incredibly larger to like half the size of what the <gasps> blueprint said. What the fuck? At one point, um, it was estimated that you could have 150 people in one room and then they remeasured it and you could only get 70 in there what the hell and um photographs were taken of the house so like like they took pictures of every room right and then they compared them to ginger's pictures when she used to live in the house with her ex right and the pictures so like when she lived with her ex there were these certain curtains that would hang on the window and then since they've moved away and times passed, those curtains weren't there anymore but when they took the new pictures, those curtains were in the room, in the picture. But if you, oh, no. if they were standing in the room and took a picture of that room on, like the picture that developed and was in their hand would have the curtains. But if you looked at the window, there would be no <gasps> curtains there. What the hell? So, um, pretty wild. Anyway, so the, they ended up saying this is too much and they ended up abandoning the project. Um, to this day, the deed was never found. And then in 1983 or 1986, a, a bunch of Canadian investors tried to buy the land and thought they could do something with it, but it ends up just never working out. Like just financially, they couldn't keep up with it. And then two years later in 1988, it got struck by lightning and, uh, it, the whole place caught on fire. Like by the time the fire department got there, all that was left was a couple chimneys and just all rubble. Oh no. So now, um, per usual, People are like paranormal enthusiasts are trying to raise money to restore it and then turn it into a bed and breakfast <laughs> because that's breakfast. what everyone does. <laughs> but that is the Summer Wind Mansion in Wisconsin. Oh, my God. Did I ever tell you about the time when we found like a secret, um, uh, a secret like room, not a room, but like a secret uh, area in our attic at my mom's house growing up no how wait how long had you lived there before you found this a few years that's what makes it creepy yeah it was what was in it my friend and i decided we were like treasure hunters and this is celine who has all the paranormal experiences oh, i've never met celine but i love celine i know she has like the craziest fucking stories and so i was always just like along for the ride and i was always into it and i was like let's find treasure so we had this like metal detector that we got from somebody and we're like we're gonna find treasure in our house and, and you did <laughs> it was so stupid we were like we're gonna walk around and like pull on the floorboards because we you know read too much uh hardy boys and hardy nancy boys, drew apparently nancy drew, exactly and we were like oh we're harriet the spy we will find <laughs> clues and so we were looking around and then in my attic we had this like in my bedroom we had this little like closet door that was about two and a half feet high and it was purple and like you opened it and you could like, we would like sit in there and watch movies and like sneak like cocoa puffs up there and eat them at night, whatever. Um, 
And one day we found this like panel on the side and we like put the metal detector and it was like going crazy. And we were like, oh, let's get the the wood paneling off. And so we like pried the wood paneling off and there's this giant Ziploc bag of jewelry back there. Shut up. And we were like, whoa, we actually found treasure. Oh my God. Wow. The one time children actually think they're going to do something and it works. And my mom was just like, oh, whatever. It's just like the last kid who lived here probably hid his mom's jewelry upstairs. But we. Right. Sure. And I'm now sure. looking back, I'm just like. That's too fucked up. It was fucking weird. And we still had, I'm, it's probably still somewhere, but it, like we have a big zip, Ziploc bag and it had like Ugh. all this jewelry and shit in it. And it was hidden behind like this panel in the teeny tiny attic closet oh my God. and then covered in a trash bag and we like pulled it out and we were like wow oh my God. treasure and now i'm like holy fuck that's so creepy that's so creepy no one put something in a bag in a floorboard in a wall in a hole in an attic for like a laugh and the kid like there's a reason my mom always told us it was just the kid who lived there before us and he was like younger than me so he was probably like nine and i'm like i don't know if he would have thought to like drill yeah. plywood to the wall or go in an attic by himself yeah. at nine years old and hide his mom's jewelry or whatever so anyway the more i think about it the more i'm like that's kind of fucked up but that's entirely fucked up that is not the story that happened by the way like thank god it was just here to shake you into reality like your nine-year-old did not hide his mom's jewelry well, in the that's wall. what i've always been told so now that you tell me these things i'm like maybe it was a little weirder than that I only think of the... You remember the movie The Little Vampire with no. Jonathan Lipnicki? No. Someone will. but I'm uh, sure everyone but me will. Um, you know Jonathan Lipnicki? He was the big head in Jerry Maguire. The little, the little kid who was really cute. He was in Stuart Little. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He was in The Little Vampire. And his basically he lived in a house that used to belong to like the like... The mob boss vampires, like oh. like the castle of the vampires, and a whole bunch of shit that like keeps them alive or is supposed to save oh. them is hidden under the floorboards in his bedroom. So every time I think of anything being in a floorboard, I think of the little vampire. That's kind of cute. It's much cuter than what it probably really is. Yeah, right, right. Anyway, you want to tell me something else that's not cute? Yes, let's talk about something else besides my childhood horrors. Okay, so just like you were saved by Kyler and her suggestion last mm -hmm. week. Um, I got a suggestion actually today and I had like three other things that I was kind of iffy about. Yeah. Like debating between. And then, uh, today, uh, a new friend named Natalie emailed us. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Natalie. And she sent this uh, suggestion. And at first I was like, I've never heard of this before. And so I just thought, Oh, I'll Google it. And I got sucked in and, is it a ride and a half? It's a ride and a fucking half. And uh, to quote Natalie, it's a uh, bowl of wild. A bowl of wild. A bowl of wild. I have not heard that one before, but I like it. I like it too. Um, and so this is the story of the New Orleans Rampart Street Murder House. Oh. Or the Zach and Addie Murder Suicide. <gasps> no, I have not heard about this. Let's Me go. Me neither. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Natalie had heard of the story because her friend is a historian and was actually a tour guide for a haunted history group in the area in nice. New Orleans. So she got like the background scoop. So it was really cool to have her, um, her take on it. And then I went and researched it myself and it, it's just fucking crazy. All right. So some of the sources I used were historicmysteries.com, Destination America, and ABC News. You always make me look like a piece of shit when you, like, cite your sources. I don't, because I feel like for mine, it's, like, 
real people and their facts about like how they died and shit. Right, and mine's all theory. Yeah, I feel like it's for the record. Uh, my sources are always the first three pages of Google. <laughs> Just in case people are wondering. But that's the thing. I feel like I have to be more careful because it's like, I don't want to like slander people who don't. Any information I ever give on this podcast can be found on the first three pages of Google (laughs) if you type in the house I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just trying to make myself sound better than him. That's fine. It's pretty easy. Okay. I'll let you have it. Uh, So let's go. In October of 2006, police responded to an emergency call from the Omni Hotel in New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay. When they arrived, they saw that a man had jumped off the roof of the hotel. Oh, no. Had landed five stories down on the roof of the parking garage and had died on impact. Oh, shit. They immediately noted that it looked like a suicide and their suspicions were confirmed when they found a five-page suicide note in the man's front pocket. The man's name was Zach Bowen, and the note he had written included instructions leading police to the apartment he shared with his girlfriend, where they would find pieces of her dismembered body (gasps) spread around the apartment. Oh, no. So, a little bit on Zach Bowen. (laughs) So, a recap. So, let's rewind. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's Zach. You're probably wondering how I got here. Record scratch. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, but it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's like not funny, but it's like exactly the way that I set it up to be. Exactly. I feel like I'm presenting it like it's some sort of ABC family. Right. It's super fucked up. Like the cops oh. found a note in his pocket and then like freeze frame, record yeah. scratch. Hey guys, it's probably like, wondering how I ended up here. Let's rewind. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yes. Okay, anyway, wow. So there's that. We're assholes, I know. Before you guys write to us saying we're assholes, we're assholes. We know. know, we know, we know, we know. And God, that's why we drink. And that's God why we drink. damn it, we know. We're sitting literally under a plunger tent. A plunger with a child sheet. We're not good people. Don't be shocked. Don't be. We may have voices of angels, but, you know, don't be fooled. Our voices may lull you into a false sense of security, but... Yeah, we have hearts of charcoal. Hearts of charcoal. If hearts at all. Oh, man. It's getting weird. It's getting dark and weird. So anyway, (laughs) you may wonder how Zach Bowen got there. (laughs) (laughs) Zach Bowen. I'm going to give you a little rewind on Zach Bowen. He was a... I mean, honestly, the way they described him was that he was a typical dude, pretty decent, like... Not That's not a typical dude, by the way. Pretty decent. Pretty decent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was it was a low blow, but I needed it didn't be said. You wouldn't know. <laughs> All right, Zach Bowen. He was a pretty standard dude. He was like not uh, standard know. way to put it. I saw you. I saw you change it. What What did I say before? You're like he's a typical guy. He's a standard guy instead of just like a decent guy. Oh, a decent guy. Hmm. Went from decent to standard real quick. All right. He's a pretty... He's a guy. (laughs) Is that better? He's a man. He's a man. He's a man. Uh, He was not, you know, particularly attractive. He wasn't... Also, he wasn't unattractive. He wasn't, like, a mean guy. He wasn't, you know... He's all around average. Average guy. He wasn't, like, super popular. Joe Um, Schmo. Joe Schmo, he was pretty average American. He had plenty of friends. He was sociable. Um, but at the same time, he was like, had a lot of shit that he was hiding from people. Mm-hmm. 
So when Zach was 18 years old, he met a 28-year-old stripper named Lena Shupak. The two got married, and according to some sources, uh, Zach joined the military in order to support her and the two children that they had together. Mm -hmm. So he joined the army, and he pretty quickly rose to the rank of sergeant, um, and he toured in Kosovo and Iraq. So, and he was also in Abu Ghraib. Um, at that point, uh, some of his friends said that he kind of had changed. His attitude had changed. He was less happy. He wanted to come home. He was struggling. You know, makes sense. You're spending a lot of time abroad in war zones. Sure, that's bound to happen. Um, so after a while, Zach got his wish to come home. He was discharged from the army. Uh, he did receive plenty of medals, including the NATO medal and the presidential unit citation. Uh, but he was also kind of bitter about leaving. He felt like it wasn't the most honorable way to leave the army. Uh, and when he returned, he decided to become a bartender in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So he started working in the French Quarter. And uh, he and his wife, uh, who he had been dating, or who, who he had been married to that whole time, ended up separating pretty quickly after he returned. Uh, and pretty quickly after that, he met a woman named Addie Hall, who was another bartender. And the two loved to drink, which was like their oh, main... so you. So me. It was like their main um, thing they had in common, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, sadly, tragically, Hurricane Katrina hit, which, as we all remember, was... Uh, not good. Not good. Just a fucking nightmare and a half um so they actually became sort of local heroes during this time because they decided to stay in town and ride out the storm um and they actually they were featured on a lot of local news articles because they were almost they were called local folk heroes in some mm -hmm. articles because they shacked up together they refused to evacuate and would sort of like they went to survival mode for example, they fashioned their own makeshift stove. They would barter with other people in town. Uh, they would even serve cocktails for people who were, like, stuck in town and couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. So they really became this sort of, like, staple in town during the storm. Um, and they they sort of lived the survivalist lifestyle where they didn't have electricity. They didn't have running water. But they, they sort of thrived. They made it work. Yeah. And they yeah. almost thrived in it where they, like, loved just being in that environment of, like, it's just us against the world, and we're going to, mm -hmm. you know, band together. Really, like a fucked up romance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, they're romance. Something intimate about, mm -hmm. in times of conflict, banding together. Totally, totally. And that's how they thrived. So, uh, Hall, the woman, um, Addie Hall, she actually gained some notoriety in town because she would flash police officers. Uh, and show her breasts, and that in turn would increase patrols in their neighborhood. You know what? Doing what you gotta do. Entrepreneur, am yeah. I right? <laughs> I mean, sex, sex workers are the reason that a lot of cities in America lasted. Are thriving. <laughs> That's the only reason that a lot of uh, cities like got built up. Yeah. So, yeah. Nothing, not knocking them at all. They do no. what they gotta do, and it works. Sex sells. And she, sex sells. And she wasn't, you know, she wasn't a sex worker. Some people thought she was a, uh, some people say she was a stripper, but she wasn't a sex worker. But she did show her breasts um, to police. And I guess for that reason, it did increase patrolling in their neighborhood. So a lot of people were really thankful for her. Um, 
and basically they loved it. But then pretty soon after that, uh, things in New Orleans returned to, you know, quote unquote normal. Uh, people were recovering from the storm. People were coming back to the city, rebuilding and that kind of thing. Um, Zach and Addie moved into a new apartment above the city's famous voodoo spiritual temple. Ooh. Have you heard of that? No, but it's somewhere I want to go. It's at 826 North Rampart Street. Um, and it's, well, I'll tell you what it is in a minute. All right, please do. So they moved above this uh, voodoo temple, and their fights, according to the landlord, reached an all-time high at this point. Oh, Hall no. stopped going to work. Uh, Zach started taking drugs and alcohol, and it just became, like, part of their life. Uh, apparently, they had a friend named Squirrel. All right. Sure. Why not? We all need I have a, a, f- I have a friend named Meatball, so... <laughs> You know I'm not kidding. I know. So, you know, you probably met in college like I, I met Meatball. Uh, you don't really get a name like that as an adult. You don't. You know? Yeah, you gotta it like... It just sticks with you. Adopt it early on. Yeah, you gotta really want it. I tried to be Chrissy Kiwi once. I'm sorry. Say it again. I tried to be Chrissy Kiwi once. Chrissy Kiwi. It didn't work. Who? Why? To who did you request that and when? I don't know. My eighth grade Latin class. There it is. Yep. Let's pretend that didn't happen. Uh, so Squirrel was allegedly supplying them with a steady stream of cocaine. So on top of everything else, they're, you know, they were doing drugs. They weren't going to work. Like it just, their fights were intensifying and it, it got to a bad point. So on October 5th, 2006, the couple got into a big fight. Uh, Addie accused Zach of cheating on her. So Zach strangled Addie to death in the bathtub And then in his note that they found after he'd committed suicide, Mm -hmm. he explained, quote, I killed her at 1 a.m. Thursday, October 5th. I very calmly strangled her. It was very quick. He then cut her body into pieces. He placed her head on the stove and put put her feet in another pot with her hands and then put her legs in the oven. The fuck? Why? (sighs) To store it? The remainder of her body, her torso, which you know how I feel about torsos, was put in the refrigerator in a large Ziploc bag. Right. That needed to be cold. Yeah. But the disembodied feet that I love so much had to be in a pot with hands. Let's just cook those down. Yeah. (sighs) This is so gross. He then cooked the body parts um, in what he called an attempt to separate the meat from the bone. Uh, it's assumed now that he was trying to get rid of evidence because there was no uh, evidence to suggest that he ate any part of her. So he he did cook like pretty much all of her body. He was just cooking it down. What a specific way. I mean, I understand you're from Louisiana, so you know how to barbecue. So you're if, and if you're ever going to learn how to separate meat and a bone, do it in the deep south. But <laughs> like if you're why wouldn't you just like throw it in a river or oh, well, burn it, like put it on fire? You'll find out. Oh, my God. I know. It gets there. I know. (laughs) It's crazy. Just wait. Once Addie was dead, Zach spent some time in the apartment spray painting messages on the walls and writing his five-page suicide note. In addition to those fun hobbies, uh, he also went out drinking. He went to strip clubs. He did drugs with his friends. And 11 days later, he jumped from the roof to his death. So, as far as the letter goes, uh, they found it in his front pocket after his suicide, um, and it told police where he lived, where they would find Addie, and why he did what he did. So, I'm just going to read, like, a, a, I mean, it was a five-page suicide note, but I'm just going to read one paragraph. 
This is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend Addie in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, and a full signed confession from myself, Zach Bowen. I scared myself not by the action of calmly strangling the woman I've loved for one and a half years and then desecrating her body, but by my entire lack of remorse. I've known forever how horrible of a person I am. Ask anyone. And decided to quit my jobs and spend the $1,500 I had being happy until I killed myself. So that's what I did. Good food, good drugs, good strippers, good friends, and any loose ends I, I may have had. I didn't contact any of my family, so that'll explain the shock. And I had a fantastic time living out my days. It's just about time now. Wow. And that's one paragraph out of five pages. You know, at least he... I mean, there's no at least, but at least he, like... At, like, at least gave them, like, a, a con- confirmation of... At least he gave them a confirmation of, you know, I did it. For sure. And they, they actually compared it in an article I read to Albert Fish and Ed Gein, where it's like... They never had any remorse. They never had any, like, second thoughts. Yeah. Whereas he, like, clearly had, like, demons and was living with guilt. And and he at least had remorse for not having remorse. For sure. Like, he like, knew there was he, something wrong with him. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that that was an interesting twist on it. Is that, like, it... it yeah. Like, at He least... was aware that there was something wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, he also provided the, the police with his keys and the information for his landlord. So when police finally got into the apartment, they found spray-painted messages on the walls that said, Please call my wife. I love her. I'm a total failure. Look in the oven. Please, oh. please help me stop the pain. God. He also said that he had burned himself with a cigarette for every year of his life as punishment for his failures. Jeez. M? Yeah. This is where things get interesting. Um. Okay. Take me there. So Zach and Addie had been living on the floor above New Orleans' well-respected Voodoo Spiritual Temple. Uh Uh-huh. The Voodoo Spiritual Temple was established in 1990 by Priestess Miriam and Priest Oswan Kamani. It's the only formally established spiritual temple with a focus on traditional West African spiritual and herbal healing practices currently existing in New Orleans. So it's like a well-respected and established voodoo center mm-hmm. uh, and some people believe this is pretty common belief actually that dark forces surrounding the voodoo spiritual temple took a hold on the couple not surprised and drove them to madness as a believer if you're going to move into something called the voodoo temple yep what the hell do you think is going to happen to you well it's interesting because like every time you look up this article or this story it always has that aspect to it it's not even like you can find it you can't find the story without that yeah angle and the only thing is like the the voodoo temple is like highly respected it's very positive typically like there's most the people who argue against that say like there it's not a negative place there's not negative energy so that's the only kind of i'm not trying to say like oh it's voodoo so it's got to be like nasty evil whatever Mm. but it is it is like a a big theory um So to add to that theory, several people who lived at this location, whether they knew where they were living or not, because it's kind of an apartment building above, uh, have reported severe paranormal activity. 
including feelings of being watched, hearing voices, and feeling as though the apartment itself was physically pressing in on them. Ugh, no, thank I know, you. I know. Uh, Natalie, who, who sent us the email about it, she mentioned that the building is haunted by a little boy who isn't violent but just seems scared. Um, so Natalie's friend, who's the tour guide there, uh, ran into a couple of guys who lived in the exact apartment where Addie and Zach lived, and they said, oh, for sure, it's haunted. So... <sighs> Just like a personal experience. So in the aftermath of the um, tragedy, some people have started to wonder if there if there like is a supernatural element involved. Um, and it's it's kind of conflicting because a lot of people believe, you know, he, he there was obviously drugs and alcohol involved. Um, he had been in the military. So PTSD, mm-hmm. you know, may have played a big part. But a lot of people believe that there's no way that like such a well-liked, wonderful, you know, well-adjusted right. guy could have done this so it's it's kind of up in the air um some people even believe that uh bowen zach bowen had been possessed by an entity who resided in the voodoo temple uh but at the same time like i was saying earlier it's hard to believe that the priestess who lives there named miriam chamani uh she's very well respected very positive in the community and people have a hard time believing that she would have anything to do with it. Yeah, or would have allowed such a negative entity to be, like... Around. In her that. sanctuary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, as of right now, the Rampart Street Murder House, as it's called, uh, is on New Orleans' list of most haunted properties. Uh, it's It basically didn't get much mainstream attention until these murders, for obvious reasons. Uh, the place was on Paranormal Lockdown this past February mm. on TLC. Love a good TLC show. Me too. And I haven't watched that episode, but I'm going to do it after this. Um, Interestingly enough, there was also a documentary called Zach and Addie, which played at the 2014 New Orleans Film Festival. And uh, it featured a it was about it was about the two of them and their murder suicide. And it featured one of their best friends named Margaret Sanchez, who was the star narrator. And she talked about how her very best friend, Zach and Addie fell in love, like during the hurricane and how they right. survived it and how tragic it was and all that Imagine good being stuff. That girl. Imagine, ugh, of course you're going to write, make a documentary. Like how else are you going to get out all your energy yeah. about that? Yeah. So she, she was basically the, almost the narrator of this guy's documentary being like, I can talk you through like, because she knew both of them so well and was so close to them. Um, so, fun fact. It's not fun, is it? <laughs> it's not really. What? Margaret Sanchez, who I just mentioned, uh, two years later, was uh, arrested with her lover, Terry Speaks, for stabbing and dismembering a 22-year-old woman <gasps> in New Orleans. Weird. Yeah. So either she had those tendencies already or they influenced her. Something like that. So in June of 2016, she pled guilty and was sentenced to 40 years in prison. Um, so she was the main character in this documentary. About, and, yeah. About her best about friends. Her friends. Yeah. And then shortly after that, she and her boyfriend also stabbed and dismembered a 22-year-old dancer. It's almost like they were copycatting or something really like that. Really weird. That's way too close to home. Really weird. There are articles called, like, <clears throat> the woman close to both, mur- like, you know, the common denominator. Like that, yeah. yeah, like, she was, like, 
But also, if you saw your two best friends go through this and one of them tried to disembody someone and it didn't work out well, why would you do it next? Well, this is my this is my going back to your earlier point. Guess how they got caught? How? She tried to hide the body parts. They tried to hide the body parts in the bayous. But Natalie, my good my new good friend. Mm -hmm. Hey, Natalie. uh, She (laughs) she. Gave me some info on that. And apparently the reason they got caught is because the bodies are so like moist and like warm that you can't dispose of body parts because they won't, they won't disintegrate. They won't rot. Like they will just stay there. So they found all these body parts scattered through the bayous and that's how they caught her. So it's like, just remember when you were saying like, why wouldn't you get rid of them? So that's how their friend got caught two years later. So basically. So the moral of the story is don't disembody anyone because no matter what you'll get caught yep i'm just saying so basically after months and months they found the body parts so she was caught um she was put in prison for 40 years but it's really crazy to watch the documentary and see her talk about her best friends and she's crying she's like i can't believe this would ever happen he was such a good guy but it wasn't like oh she just like accidentally killed somebody it was like she and her boyfriend like he was like Pre oh totally premeditated premeditated they, they lured a twenty two year old girl by saying if you come to our place we'll give you more money and she had a little daughter ah this was really upsetting she had a little baby and the the aunt or whoever took custody of the baby said like she still cries for Aww. her mom I know it's really, that's too much it's too much it's too much um but so yeah it's just crazy like she it was just like such a weird twist that she so it, it's I mean. In my mind, it's like, did she really feel that way when she made the movie of like, I can't believe it, I can't believe it? Or was it all a, a ploy? It's like, I don't know, for all we know, it could have even been to like hide the fact that she could ever possibly be capable of it. Just Maybe. to like give herself an alibi two years in advance. Maybe. No, you're right. Like, and I watched it and it's so weird. And she does seem, like, very distraught, but it's also, like, she kind of seems a little crazy because she's, like, yeah. kind of wackadoodle. So it's, like... You don't know what she's going to do. She doesn't seem stable to begin with. Right. So who knows, like, where her brain is at. But, yeah, so that... Um, oh, and then last fun fact before I forget from Natalie. She said the original oven and fridge and bathtub are still in the apartment. <gasps> Even after there was a fire, too. But, like, it's all still there. And she said she's seen shows and videos of people going into the apartment. And it's weird. Like, you can literally look at the, the oven and be like, oh, someone's arms were, someone's Ugh. legs were cooked in that That's oven. rough. Isn't that horrifying? People, like, you know they cook food on that That's stove. the thing. How could you ever take a bath in a bathtub where someone was dismembered? <sighs> like, this I thought makes me want to vomit. Like, oh, let me just shower and pretend that I don't know how much blood was once sitting in this tub. Or, oh, let me just make my fucking craft mac and cheese and my like, <laughs> fucking rice-a-roni on the same rice-a-roni. stove as someone's body. But, Em, it's a whirlpool tub. You can't blame me. <laughs> anyway. It's disgusting. Isn't that horrifying? Yeah. I have never heard of that before in my life. And me either. So that was kind of a random one that I decided to yeah, take well, a leap of faith. Well, you did it. Uh, you guys, thanks for being you. When does this come out? This comes out on the 1st of October, which means it's also Listener Story Day. 
All right. So a twofer. All right. All right. Lucky all for right. you guys. Poor for Christina L- for editing. Lucky for me. <laughs> um, also, I pay rent on the first, so neither of us are having a good time oh, on shit. the first. Me too. Oh my. Well, and we just paid our deposit, so it's like <sighs> so you have no money right now. No money. Yes. And that's why we drink. Our Patreon can be found. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, uh, apparently people still are having questions about where to find our merch. And by people, I mean people in the generation above us. Like your mom? Like our parents. Because my dad called me, who doesn't call me often, by the way, called me to be like, I want one of your shirts. Where do I get one of your shirts? Your, Your uncle wants a shirt and I don't know where to get a shirt. And I'm like, do you, you clearly just want the shirt and not listen to the show because we tell you all the time where to get the shirts. 100%. If for some reason this is your first time ever hearing that we have merch available, you can find it at and that's why we drink dot big cartel dot com. Correct. Would we like to you wanna uh, all I'll say is that we've sent out all our Patreon merch today, which is not today that you're listening to this, but it came out this week. Should be if it's not there right now, it should be there either tomorrow or Tuesday. Uh, and now that I'm in this house with a lot more room, it's a lot easier for me to ship merch. So we have an actual shipping room. We do. We have an actual room where all of the, all the stuff that goes to you guys gets yep. stored and put away. It's so much nicer than an apartment. So much nicer. There's like a printer and a, like I have different sections for each t-shirt size. Like Gosh, it's great. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's like your own little in-house store. It is. I feel like I'm like an Etsy seller but less creative (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so uh, check out our merch we have it there for you if you're a patreon subscriber uh we have uh uh, 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 discounts for you jesus christ listen it's been a long day thanks guys for listening there's nothing else to report here i don't think so um we're so happy you guys are a part of our lovely little group and Find us on um, Facebook. There's a, if you like our page and that's why we drink, there's a link to our secret group where we can chat and talk about all sorts of crazy shit. Um, it's a secret and that's why we drink group. Yep. And then we've got uh, Twitter, Instagram. You can follow our personal pages also. Um, you can send in your listener stories at, and that's why we drink at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We also have a website where you can look at some cool stuff about us uh, at, and that's why we drink.com. Our Patreon, you can find us at ATWWD Podcast or and that's why we drink. I think it's patreon.com slash ATWWD podcast. You would think we would know. Well, whatever. It's just that I'm I'm really humble, so I don't like right. to think about like people giving me stuff. Modesty is your greatest quality. It is. It is. Thank you. I'm glad you know. Okay, I just looked it up. <laughs> patreon.com slash ATWWD podcast. Yep, and you can find us on, <laughs> well, you're already listening to us, so it doesn't matter where you can find us. But if your friends ask, we got Audio Boom, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, um, anywhere else? Stitcher. Stitcher. All the good stuff. And if you if you guys can, it would be super duper helpful if you write us a review, just because that like helps us a lot in the rankings. Um, so Gets our name out there. Yeah, so feel free to write a review if you have the chance. Unless it's a bad one, then just don't do it. Then please keep it to yourself. That's what journals are for. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Thank you. And that's why we drink. And that's why we drink. Cheers. Wait, by the microphone. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded like we broke something.
Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first state invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com.